This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Okay, okay. 106 to 102. The Raptors lose this one to the Utah Jazz. It looks more and more likely that the play-in tournament will not be something that the Raptors are participating in. These losses in what is a really difficult stretch of the season, they're tough to swallow, especially if you're of the mind that you want to see the Raptors in that play-in. It's it's tough. And especially when the Jazz, they're a good team. They play their own brand of basketball. They stick to it. So even with Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley missing tonight, they still got enough from Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles. Bojan Bogdanovic had 34, which is, that's a very, I'm pretty sure that's his season high as well. And the passing, they uh, side top side action, very, very popular. The Raptors defense collapses. You know, naturally, they, they have a guy tag Rudy every single time. And if not that, they're bringing another guy over to shade. So they're collapsing due to not even just dribble penetration, but if they run a screening action and Rudy Gobert is kind of hard charging into the middle, that requires attention, especially given the Raptors. That Kim Birch is, you know, he's been fantastic and he had a really great game, but just asking him to go toe-to-toe with Gobert for like, 34 minutes without other guys pinching in and that kind of stuff is maybe too big of an ask. And that's why Rudy ended up with, you know, 16 boards in this one, five offensive and quite a few tip back in or like put back out for threes and stuff like that. So not only that they're collapsing, but that means that guys like Royce O'Neal, George's Niang, they can keep moving the ball until they find a shot that they like. And oftentimes ended up in Bojan's hands or Jordan Clarkson's hands. And even with that, there's some off there's some on ball creation that those guys have too. So the Raptors defense, I thought did a pretty good job contending with all those things during most of the game. And it's just it's a tough scene for them that they didn't have enough offensive firepower to get over the hump. Particularly in the second half, you see the limitations of Fred Van Vliet as the point guard and as a scoring guard, but you also see that he's incredibly good. Like, it's just the duality, right? Is that, yes, there were some limitations that you run into when Fred Van Vliet is your guy. A couple times getting into the middle of the floor where other players can look really dangerous, 
but Fred Van Vliet, just because of his physical attributes, kind of looks dead in the water. He had a great game, though. It's just sometimes you run into your own limitations while trying to transcend them. And he did a fantastic job, as far as I'm concerned, trying to run the Raptors' offense, taking on the bulk of the shots that the Raptors are looking to get, just because so often they were bailing out. Like, they just said, hey, take the ball. We're looking for something on this position. Can you give us something? And as far as, like, on-ball creation, spotting up off of it, all that kind of stuff, very impressed with Fred VanVleet tonight. And just, he passes out of drives all the time. Very high frequency in that. But doing a good job of finding guys in the corners or above the break. Just providing the Raptors with enough offensive initiation to get them, especially in the first half, in good positions. And then the second half, just trying to wheel himself up against that brick wall. And the Raptors really felt Gobert's presence defensively because... You, you could tell there was a hesitancy, not just with Fred, who's a short guy, but with Siakam, with OG. Everybody feels that Gobert is lurking in the paint, and that kind of drives them away from that. And not only that, but that allows the Jazz to start pressing a little bit up more on the three-pointers because they know, they know that the Raptors are going to get pushed into the middle of the floor, and that's exactly what they want to do. They know that the Raptors, okay, at this point, you're not getting all the way to the bucket. You're going to get to about the nail. Let's see what you do there. Are you comfortable there? No, not really. So it went from the Raptors having kind of a humming offense in the first half. Lots of that side top side action that I talked about with Utah, getting the defense in rotation, all that kind of stuff. But in the second half, they did start to feel Gobert's presence more often. So they're getting into the middle of the floor. They're kind of stopping short because they see Gobert is hanging out around the rim. And he's a big deal there. He contests shots. He changes shots. He blocks shots. He's He very well could be defensive player of the year. And he's a big deal there. And so the Raptors getting stuck in the middle of the four a few times. And not very many guys on the roster are well equipped there. Malachi Flynn, a rookie, is one of the best. And so Fred Van Vliet making plays from there and doing a pretty damn job of it but just not enough, especially with how the, the Jazz play defense to produce against that defense with the Raptors offense. It was just, it was a tough ask in this one. And so the Raptors, they ran into it. They had a lot of really good standout defensive performances. Malachi Flynn, Fred Van Vliet, Siakam, Ananobi, all four I think you've come to appreciate. Wow, they can really bring it defensively. Malachi Flynn, you know, a cut below those other guys. And Kem Birch, a newcomer who gives you 17, 10, and 6, not only rebounding you, giving you a little bit of extra punch to kind of close out possessions, doing a very good job to hang with Gobert in the minutes that he was out there and when he was on an island to try and compete, although the Raptors, as I said, oftentimes sent a bit of extra attention that way. And just grab-and-go stuff from Kem Birch, like getting aboard, getting out on the ba- on the break, occupying a lane so that a defender comes over to him, and then just a drop-off pass or a pitch play to a guy who can shoot the gap and get in for a layup or something like that. Treating transition like a dribble handoff scenario or any type of set play in the half court where you're trying to get the other guy, you know, you're trying to get him room. Very clever work from Ken Birch in this one. And yeah, the defensive mobility was very happy with that. He continues to impress. He's probably given, he's given more than I would have expected this year which bodes extremely well for next year, I'll add. So, yeah, well done, Ken Birch. I thought he had a a hell of a game. Continues to impress as a vertical threat as well, just getting to the rim. And went one for three from downtown. 
I think some people were speculating that he could be shooting three threes a game next year, depending on, you know, how he's used, if he's the backup center, if he's the starting center. I think people are sold on him being back next year at the very least. So something to consider, but he was good. The starting five was pretty good. Siakam, tough game for him because, you know, he wasn't able to create a bunch like he was he was mostly a finisher in this game I think and his finishing left a lot to be desired as well so a middling game for him offensively but I still think defensively his court coverage especially when you're trying to account for the five or four plus one offense that the 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 Jazz are running where there's four guys out and they really want to space you out and when you send that extra attention to Gobert streaking down the middle there's a lot of coverage left to be played and that defensive coverage is really Siakam's sweet spot. So tonight, very happy with that. And then if you're talking court coverage, OG Ananobi is no slouch at that either. I don't think he has the same ceiling that Siakam does. Just because of Siakam, his mobility is kind of absurd. And uh, his ability to move within a defense can be really, really intelligent and really rapid. OG, more of a standout in isolation defense than Siakam. Siakam more of a standout as a coverage guy and a little bit as a help side defender. But OG, you know, really showed his stuff in this game as well. The coverage, again, really nice. Tons of crisp rotations, intelligent tags on Rudy. Give him the bump, pop back out to your assignment. Make sure that he feels you on the way down. Okay, now Kem Birch can handle him. Push him out of a spot that he didn't want him in. You you took your assignment, you gave help, and you got back. That kind of stuff from OG very meaningful defensively he's always bringing that and then when he's just in actions above the break when he's on ball he terrifies on ball players they <laughs> i do if anybody who's listening to this podcast tried to dribble around OG Ananobi you would have the ball for about 0.2 seconds and then it would be gone and if you picked up your dribble it would be ripped out of your hands and you would pick up your dribble or you would turn it over immediately it doesn't matter he hunts you down because he hunts down nba players he forces them to pick up their dribble. He forces escape dribbles and the pivot and pass out. It's just they want nothing to do with him. His job in contain is really good. And while Jordan Clarkson, who is very, very slick, skirted by every once in a while, I still thought he did a fantastic job. And the first game in, I think, six games that he didn't get to 20 points. But if if I had told you prior to the season that OG Ananobi giving you 17, 5, and 4 had the potential to underwhelm offensively in a game, I think you would be like eyes wide thinking, is this fan fiction? What are you talking about? OG Ananobi, 17, 5, and 4, and I'm disappointed? That's how good he's been? Yes, that's how good he's been. So that's fantastic to see. The playmaking bent continues to progress. That is one of the... That's like a total wild card because as I said in the last podcast, as I've said, you know, since... OG Ananobi has been in the league. There is a little bit, bit of that playmaking bent. And the thing is, 3 and D players rarely, rarely ever, ever bring a playmaking bent to what they're doing. Like a guy like Nicholas Batum is a really unique player in the league and has been for a long time. And while I don't expect OG to be like a Batum-type level of playmaker, usually those types of guys, they're much better at developing off like a little bit of an off-the-dribble package that they can attack closeouts a little bit better, maybe a second-side pick-and-roll and that kind of stuff. I thought that would be great for OG. And while he has taken some of those on, the playmaking that has come with that, especially given that you can run like flex action and that kind of stuff, 
to get OG post up looks, and then from this, and then from the same corner, if he doesn't get the look, you could run like Chicago or Miami action. Big shout out Evan Gualberto to get him loose as well above the break, where you get those dribble handoffs, pin downs, all that kind of stuff. That he's got a lot in his bag, a lot to work on, and he's shown a lot. And so this game, seventeen five and four, really happy with his performance. Malachi Flynn as well. He deserves to be talked about. Had I think just an unconscionably wonderful possession. He rejected a bunch of screens because Joe Ingles kept icing it and icing it and icing it. And Malachi Flynn was getting pressured from the other side too, so he couldn't go downhill. And then Joe Ingles jumped him late in the game. And so he took that ball pressure and used an escape dribble, got back out into the open floor, and eventually got downhill against Ingles and did it at a pace and with a controlled dribble that he always had Gobert in his his eyesight. He always knew where Gobert was and was keeping track of when Gobert was going to swing over for that help side rotation. Ended up outfoxing both the players, used incredible body control to get to the bucket for a layup. It was great to see. And that's the whole, that's the whole thing coming out of San Diego State. With Malachi Flynn, you get control. You get intelligence, you get that kind of stuff on the floor and past his years. He doesn't have the inherent explosion that a lot of star guards have in college, but he has the control to manipulate and negotiate the middle of the floor. He's got a tight enough handle that he can break out combos and break guys down in isolation. And his jump shot is obviously very serviceable, could end up being even pretty good in his NBA career. All that stuff was on and and defensively. He was defensive player of the year in his conference in university, well, college, and like he he's translated that. It's much easier for guards to translate their defense from college to the NBA level, and he had no problem doing that whatsoever. He is a terror on dig downs. His screen navigation remains like pretty damn good, and point of attack stuff, which is, you know, maybe a little bit overrated as a defensive thing, but point of attack is good. And he's a very conscientious help defender. And the rotations for a rookie, they're, I would say, top tier. So all that stuff has been really good. So big shout out to Malachi. I thought he played a good game. Was it his best this year? No. Is he still, he's still obviously lagging way behind as far as it, in terms of scoring efficiently. It's hard for him to find a route to score the ball efficiently in the NBA, given how much is dependent on his shake and like maybe his mid-range jump shot and push shots and stuff like that. He, he has to really learn to navigate like the pick and roll at the NBA level much, much better than he does, which is already pretty good. It's to get himself loose as a scorer, but as like a third guard, he's I think he's just fine. He's, he's a good player, and so I have no complaints about him. Bembry, uh, still... As I've said before, you know, the, the on-ball stuff is kind of a, it's like an odyssey. You know, you never know what's really going to happen. You can tell he has the tools to survive those situations. It's just he's not off. Oftentimes, he's not getting himself to a good spot. Yuta, Freddie, pretty par for the course as far as their lowly games have gone this year. It's a tough game against the Jazz where the Jazz are able to funnel your shot creators into tighter and tighter spots and they're able to limit how dangerous drop-off passes and uh, cross-court passes and stuff like that are. So Yuta Watanabe, he just didn't end up on the right side of a lot of the transition opportunities and stuff like that. And in the half court, the ball just wasn't coming to him very often. So, you know, he went one for three. 
Freddie was two for four. He got blocked at the rim the one time. But both of them brought it defensively. And all the things I said about OG and Pascal, Watanabe especially is bringing that to some degree. Not as high as Siakam and OG, but my God, uh, Watanabe can really defend. And Gillespie, he gives you compete level at the big man spot. And I don't think you lose much from Kem Birch to Gillespie. I, I mean, and that's crazy to say when Kem gives you 17, 10, and 6. But Freddie moves well within the Raptors' defense. I think he complements a lot of players as the guy at the back line. And so I, I think he's he's a hell of a player when he's on the floor. And so he didn't have these big, incredible numbers or anything like that. But his 4-4 four and four was a meaningful 4-4. Four and four. And Jalen Harris, I saw a lot of people talking about him. He hit a 3 and he he was doing an alright job. He got a steal as well. He's he was a little bit of a ball hawk in college too. And so it's it's nice to see because he he just didn't didn't have a weight to throw himself into kind of any action. He was getting bumped off his line anytime he was playing in preseason or any, you know, sparse minutes he got in the NBA like during this grueling season was just him getting bumped off his line, just not having the weight and not having the explosion to slip past guys, just kind of stuck in the middle there. And defensively, you know, a rookie who wasn't known specifically for his defense, trying to fit in the NBA in a season where there's very little practice, he got lost a lot and he wasn't particularly effective. But in this game, moving better on both sides of the floor. I don't know if he's put on weight or anything, but came in, popped in a triple, got a steal, did a decent job of moving within the framework of both the offense and the defense, enough that quite a few people I saw commenting on it and were happy about it. So something to consider going forward. I don't know what Jalen Harris will look like next year, if he'll be on the team. All that kind of stuff is uncertain. But the Raptors, yeah, 106 to 102, they lose this game. And it it was a tough one. But Reggie Evans Award, Ken Birch, I talked about him quite a bit already in this podcast, but it's uh, it's fantastic to watch a guy exceed your expectations because he was not he was not deployed exceptionally well at any point in time in Orlando. I think a lot of people, even the great Zach Lowe, had problems with how had problems with how he was he was handled and he wasn't deployed properly and he was played out of position at times. And so it's it's been a confusing time in Orlando with Kem Birch, and I think to see him kind of deliver on some of those fringe things that people suspected might be in his bag. That's been fantastic. I've been a big fan of that. Uh, Top quick reaction comment from Zarlos Boozer. Excellent name. Excellent name. Uh, Quote, Ken Birch was the best center on the floor tonight, and he's not the one with a $205 million contract. Feels good. End quote. Okay, Zarlos. I like that you like Kem, and I've just said a bunch of nice things about him. But he was not better than Gobert tonight. Gobert, like, he just, the rim wasn't there for the Raptors at all. Gobert was excellent. I know he doesn't have, like, I people don't like Gobert, and I get that, but he's still a hell of a defender. And Kem Birch doesn't have to be better than Gobert to have a good game. But Kem Birch, you know, there's one one center with a $205 million contract, and there's Kem Birch on a minimum. One of them is out-earning their contract by a great deal. And that's Kim Birch. So if we can if we can do that type of comparison rather than suggesting that Kim was better than Gobert tonight, I'll, I'll shake hands on that with you, Zarlos. And especially, I'll give you some extra leeway because you have such a, a fantastic username. But 
thanks for thanks for writing that down. Thanks for engaging with Raptors Republic. But listener, that's it. Whether you got into it in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.